morning for our message, I'm going to start by reading a couple different Bible passages. First from John chapter 17. John 17, beginning with the, the first verse. John 17, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that the Son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Next, going to read from Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, beginning with the ninth verse. Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice, for I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let us pray. Now, gracious God, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for this opportunity to worship today. And as we gather together to sing your praise, God, as we gather together to dedicate life to you, we gather to sit at your feet and listen to your word. And so we pray that today your spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, would come and give new life to our hearts through your word. And so we pray that you teach us this morning, that you give us a vision of the life that you've called us to. God, we pray that you would shape and form how we think about this world. We pray that you'd shape and form how we feel. We pray that you'd shape and form how we act. And so we pray now that your word would shape us and form us. In Jesus' name, amen. We've become pretty addicted to the arcade lately at our house, and so we've been going there quite a bit, and our children uh, seem to enjoy that. And whenever we arrive at the arcade, our young son always turns his attention to one thing not a game at the arcade, but it's a sword that's hanging behind the counter. Before we even touch a game, before we even get the tokens to play games, he's at the counter asking for the sword. Well, you got to get tickets from the game in order to get the sword. You would think, with his primary concern being that sword, his very next concern would be what? Getting tickets. you got to get tickets to get the sword. The problem is this. He wants the sword, but he doesn't want to get the tickets because his primary game of concern is driving the boat around in that little racing game. And you don't get any tickets for that at all. So if you use all of your tokens on the boat game, and you go stand at the counter, and you've got no, you lose all your tokens on the boat game, you stand at the counter, and you have no tickets, what happens? No sword. Pretty simple, right? You'd think it's pretty easy. If your sole focus is the sword, go where you're going to get the tickets. This morning, we're starting by looking at two Bible passages. You might be thinking to yourself, 
how do these relate at all? One is at the end of Jesus' life, his final moments. One is kind of at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. It's one kind of, we're going to start each Sunday over the next five weeks, not with these two exact passages, but two similar to it all the time. Because these two passages emphasize something that I believe God wants to emphasize in our hearts. And that's that the first thing is this. Why are we sharing both those Bible passages? Because it shows that Jesus' primary concern was people because he was focused on glorifying God. This is a, a core truth, something that each of us has got to just know in our hearts and our minds. Jesus was primarily concerned about people because he was focused on glorifying God. Jesus' end game was what? The glory of God. That God's honor, God's name, God's greatness would be seen and known by everyone. And now, the mechanism or the avenue to glorify God was what? People. What got Jesus in trouble was who he was spending time with. We already see it in Matthew chapter 9 that we read. This is just early on in Jesus' ministry. He's hanging out with people who what? The religious leaders are like, does he know these people that he's with? And so the people are critical of Jesus for the people that he's with. But Jesus is with those people because he's concerned about the glory of God. And when we get to the end of today's sermon, I want you to be able to connect why with Jesus being concerned about the glory of God, Jesus spends time with people. If you can't connect those two dots at the end of today's sermon, don't come back next week. Don't come back ever because I'm horrible at my job. Find another church. Okay? Serious. Jesus is concerned about the glory of God. Therefore, he's concerned about people. Therefore, if that's Jesus' concern, how much more for you and I? If you and I are going to be concerned about the glory of God, what does that mean? It means that you and I have got to be concerned about people. Another way of thinking about this. We cannot glorify God without loving, knowing, and engaging with people. We cannot glorify God without loving, knowing, and engaging with people. And people are difficult. I think we could all agree on that this morning, right? People are complex. You're complex. I'm complex. And people can be hard to be around. Yet, if we can't glorify God without loving, knowing, and engaging with people, we better start what? Understanding people. This morning, our whole goal is to go back to the beginning and understand the foundation of people. We want to know, what does God say about humanity? What does God say about people? So for the next five weeks, we're going to be on this sermon series entitled, very simply, People. Because people matter to God. And because we can't bring God glory without loving, knowing, and engaging with people. So we want to start today, though, by, by kind of jumping backwards and understanding what does God ultimately say about people? A theologian by the name of uh, Richard Pratt, a Reformed theologian that teaches at seminary, says the following. We don't know what to think of ourselves. Some of us feel, feel so worthless that we can hardly stand to live another minute. Yet others are so full of self-importance 
that they lift hands in praise of their own divinity. One says, I am nothing. Another says, I am everything. I thought he did a marvelous job of, of summarizing succinctly the uniqueness of where humanity's at on a big spectrum. There's some people here this morning, some of you here this morning, that you woke up, and to put it simply and maybe even a little derogatory, you woke up and you thought of yourself as dirt. You struggle loving yourself. You think you're worthless. There's a lot of people in our community. There's a lot of people in the world like this. At the same time, some of you woke up this morning and you thought you were a pretty big deal. Your feet hit the ground and you probably didn't say this. I hope you didn't say this. If you did say this, see me afterwards. Your feet hit the ground and you kind of said to yourself unknowingly, I'm God. I'm in control today. There's this interesting pendulum that we're constantly swinging on as people. On one end, we're swinging to one end saying, oh, I'm nothing but dirt. On the other end, we're swinging we're like, I'm God. I'm a big deal. I'm in control of myself. I'm in control of my life. As we look back at what the Bible says about humanity, we have to recognize there's great danger in the two complexes that we have. The dirt complex and the divine complex. Turn with me, if you would, to Psalm 8 that we read earlier in our, in our service together. Psalm 8. Psalm 8 is one of the most succinct spots in the Bible where it declares God's understanding of humanity. Psalm 8. Psalm 8. Let's first deal with the dirt complex where some of us some people have a very low view of themselves, can't love themselves. I want to point something out that we could just fly by and, and completely miss. Psalm 8, verse 5, check this out. You have made him, talking about humanity. Now remember, in, in Hebrew, it's, it's using a male, male pronoun here. That's how that was written in that time. It's a, it's a word for humanity. So you could say, you have made humanity a little lower than the heavenly being. Now, the absence of something here is really amazing. The author does not say, you have made humanity a little greater than the dog. This is critical to see. The, the, the comparison does not start with what? Creation. The comparison does not start with created ground or created animals or plants or whatever. The comparison is where? With the Creator. We're closer to the Creator than we are with creation. This is what makes humanity distinctly different than the rest of creation. And the rest of creation is beautiful and complex. I heard this the other day. I don't know if this is true, and I don't even know if our veterinarian is here this morning to confirm this for me, so I think I can get by lying if he's not here. Oh, he is here. Never mind. Okay. Um, <laughs> I hope this is true. I heard the other day that dogs can smell seven times greater than human beings. Is that true? More. There. See, the internet is right every time. 
Think of that from what dogs can smell seven times greater than human beings. It reveals this major, just amazing complexity of creation. But even in the midst of that, even in the midst of that, guess what? Dogs are there and we're up here. God doesn't start the comparison of we're created to created beings. He starts the comparison to the creator. By saying about humanity that you're, you're not just created a little bit above dirt. No, no, no. You're created a little lower than the creator. A little lower than the creator. Amazing. If you have a dirt complex, there's amazing implications that do harm to us and those around us. If you have the dirt complex, the implication for you and I is this. We operate fully based upon the approval and the love of others. If you have trouble thinking highly of yourself, if you think of yourself as dirt, you're completely dependent upon what? The affirmation of someone else. And some of you know this, right? Some of you know that when you receive affirmation of others, you feel better, so what happens? You act better. And what? You're actually a better citizen. Kind of draw it out this way. When, when you're thinking less of yourself, and we all know this, right? How productive are you? How much of a benefit are you to others? You're not, right? Because what do you do when you feel less of yourself? You go to your medication. You go to your medication. A little extra bag of chips. You go to your medication of just binge watching, whatever. You, just, you feel less of yourself, you kind of curl up. You're not a benefit to anyone. And to become a benefit to someone, what does it take? It takes outside affirmation speaking well of you, and you're completely dependent upon that. We've got to elevate our thinking. We have to elevate our understanding to what? Biblical thinking. Biblical understanding is what? You're not dirt. You're created a little lower than the creator and crowned with amazing dignity and worth. Check this out, verse 5 in Psalm 8. Remember what it said, humanity created a little lower than heavenly beings and crowned humanity with glory and honor. Now, hopefully you can start to make a little bit of a connection. Remember, Jesus was primarily concerned about what? The glory of God. Making God's magnificence known. What does God's word say about humanity? That humanity has been blessed with the glory of God. In other words, what this is saying is the word glory literally means weight or heaviness. It's saying that God placed this amazing amount of weight, value upon humanity. Think of it this way. The reason that God, Jesus, is concerned about people is because people are what? The greatest of all of God's creation. Jesus is concerned about the glory of God, so therefore Jesus has got to be concerned about where God's glory has been placed and God's glory has been placed on people. You and I are created in the image of God. We've been placed with glory and honor. A great, great heaviness and weight has been placed upon our life. Have you ever thought about this for the moment? You are the crown jewel of God's creation. The crown jewel of God's creation. How many of you have ever done one of those um, home tour things? 
where you go and look at new homes that are built around town, right? You go walk in. Never understood that one. That, what's the point? I mean, walk in, and all it does is make you want other people's stuff. Okay, besides that, besides the point. If you're a builder, if you're a builder, what's the goal? Your goal is to get to the point where you're put on the home tour where what? People have to pay to get in your house. Right? I mean, any of you can come to my house for free. You want to be at the point where what? People are paying to come into your house. Why? Because that says what? Your home is the crown jewel of all homes built in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Someone's paying to come there. Think about this for a moment. You are the crown jewel of the master builder, God. And guess what has been paid to prove that you are the crown jewel of God's creation? Guess what's been paid? The death of his son, Jesus Christ. That shows the value of your life that God would pay with his own blood for you. You are a crown jewel. Every person you run into this next week, they are a crown jewel in the sight of God. Every person, every person you see, I don't care where they came from, I don't care what color they are, I don't care what they believe, they are the crown jewel in God's creation. There's no if, and, or but about it. Every human being is created in the image of God. Reveal the glory, the greatness of God. We think of ourselves as dirt. We dishonor God by not acknowledging the beauty of his creation. When we think of ourselves as dirt, we become unbeneficial to those around us. And then another implication of thinking of ourselves as dirt, how does that, treat, how does that affect the way we treat other people? How we view ourselves directs how we view others. I think if I'm willing to think of myself as dirt, you know what that means? I'm willing to think of someone else as dirt. What's, good, what's dirt good for? Stepping on, basically. Digging, moving around. You don't, you don't think much about what? You get home? How many of you get home? Have you ever wiped your stuff, shoes off and been like, oh no, I got, I got to save that dirt. I wasn't very nice to that dirt. You don't think twice about it. You just try to get rid of it, right? When you're cleaning the house, how many of you have cleaned the house, swept everything up, and like, well, i got to put this dirt in somewhere nice now that I've cleaned it up. You just want it gone. When we think of ourselves as dirt, it's going to lead to us thinking of others as dirt, which what? We're just going to end up treating people as though they're worthless. When in reality, they're created in the image of God. They're the crown beauty of God's creation. We got to remove, move beyond the dirt complex. At the same time, at the same time, some of us this morning, we've got a divine complex. We think we're a big deal. We think we're in charge of our own life. This psalmist makes it crystal clear that what? We are not God. Look at how the psalm begins. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Whose name is majestic in all the earth? God's name. Now some of you might be saying, well, that's before you got to the good news about humanity. Look at how he closes the psalm. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is 
your name in all the earth. The psalmist does this beautiful job about laying out the greatness of God at the same time laying out the greatness of humanity, but putting humanity in its proper place. That humanity is not God. Now again, I've, I honestly, I've never met anyone that's willing to say, I'm God. I just have not. Most people are unwilling to just publicly say that. But most of us have that root in our own hearts. If we have the divine complex, the implication is this. I get to decide what I want, when I want, where I want. Because I'm in charge. And we all know how dangerous that is. Because we all know, whether we're willing to admit it or not, that what we want is not always what's best for ourselves or for others. However, to fight the divine complex, it means this. It means that we have to be willing to say to someone outside of ourselves, you're in charge. You get to make the decision about X, Y, and Z. Not what I say, but what you say. That's a big step. That's a big step to move from saying, not what I want, but what you want. To break the divine complex, we have to acknowledge that there's someone outside of us that has the final say. Now think for a moment about the implication of having the divine complex of how you treat other people. If you have the divine complex that you yourself are it, guess what? Well, <laughs> that makes my way better than your way. Which leads to what? Separation from others. It doesn't just lead to separation, but it leads towards angst towards others. Not only that, but if I have the divine complex... Then there's others out there who I'm also fine having the divine complex. And what do you do between two gods? You fight. Because you've got to determine who's really God. Versus both willing to acknowledge and submit to authority outside themselves. We have the dirt complex or the divine complex. But God's word says this. You are the crown of God's creation. You're not God. You're the crown of God's creation, but you're not God. Very simply put, as human beings, we have to understand our value and our responsibility. If you want everyone to kind of think, what does it mean to be created in God's image? What does it mean to have God's glory placed on us? Think of it in these two ways. First is this you have intrinsic value and worth. You have intrinsic value and worth. Because to be created in the image of God, to have God's glory placed on us means that he's taken his majesty and his greatness and he's placed it in our lives. There's been a weightiness added to us. No matter what someone says, no matter what our circumstances say, we have value. We have value. Don't, don't hear this as a political statement. Hear this as a life statement and a teaching from Scripture. The reason that historically Christians, Christians have been the first 
to start hospitals, to care for the aging. The Christians have been the first to speak for the unborn. Is because God says that every life, no matter of the circumstance or whatever, has intrinsic value and worth. This is why in the nation of Europe, right, it's happening right now. I'm not just making stuff up. I'm not some crazy talk show host. In the nation of Europe right now, they put elderly to the death when they no longer have usefulness to society or are taking up too many resources of society. Hear what that says. Hear what that says. Your worth and your value are dependent upon your ability to produce. God's word says that where there is life, it has inherent worth or value because of its creation. This is why Christians should always be first in line when it comes to caring for the aged. This is why Christians should be first in line when it comes to caring for the unborn. This is why Christians should be first in line when it comes to racial reconciliation. Because we say that every life has ultimate worth and value, not because of what they do or where they come from, but because of their creator. You have value today. You have worth today because of the weightiness put on you by your creator. To be created in the image of God is to have automatic worth. Secondly, to be created in the image of God means that you have responsibility. Check this out. Look with me in Psalm 8. Psalm 8, go to verse 6. So it just said, hey, you've been given this amazing worth, glory and honor. Check out verse 6. So what does that mean? You have given dominion over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, under humanity's feet, sheep and oxen, beasts of the field, birds of the heavens, and fish of the sea. You go to, you go to Genesis chapter 1, it's around the same thing at that place as well. It's focused on what? Hey, you've been given dominion over the earth, over the creation of the world. As a human being, guess what? You have responsibility. This is what God has done. He said, humans... I want you to care for my creation. You have a responsibility to be what? One who helps. One who cares. One who nurtures. This is why work is seen by, again, Christians should be the first in line at saying what? Work is a good thing. Why? Because creating the image of God, you have a responsibility to work. You were created for that. It says right there in Psalm 8, verse 6, the dominion over the works of your hands. God's using us to care for creation. So now, just two things when we put them together. Worth, value, and responsibility. We have to be really careful, really careful when we care for others that we don't take away their worth and their value and ultimately leading to them lowering their responsibility. We're going to get to this in a couple of weeks. But America is just, and the church is horrible at this. In the way we care for the poor around us, we take their worth and their value, and then we wonder why they're no longer responsible. Because when you don't feel valuable or worthwhile, it's almost impossible to be responsible. We have to understand the beauty. We have to show people their beauty, their worth, 
and their value. And at the exact same time, we have to walk alongside of people and help them be responsible to fulfill their calling in life. So to be created in the image of God means that we have automatic worth and value because of the glory placed on us. It means that we have responsibility because God has given us dominion over creation. Today, do you recognize your worth and your value? And do you recognize the responsibility you have been given? Jesus was primarily concerned about people because he was concerned about glorifying God. And the glory of God is seen when God's people are displaying their value and fulfilling their responsibility. Let me summarize the message of the Bible really quick for you in one minute. The message of the Bible is that God has created humanity in the image of God. The problem is, is that humanity has roughed up, has lost the image of God by the way we treat others, by the way we respond to our responsibility. Therefore, the image of God has been lost. And therefore, God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to come and live the perfect life. Because in the life of Jesus Christ, what do we see? We see the image of God revealed perfectly. And Jesus dies on the cross to forgive us for our sins because we've what? Neglected the image of God. And Jesus' death on the cross forgives us and restores us what? So that we can display the image of God now as forgiven people. The Bible finishes in Revelation 21 and 22 by what? going back to Genesis 1 and 2. Because the Bible is a book of restoration. Of restoring what's been lost. The image of God. Heaven is when what? Every human being has got worth and value and we're living out our responsibility. And this is what Jesus does. He restores us. He forgives us so that we can live out our image. We can live out the image of God. And so today, one of two things. I just want you to focus on one or two places. First is this. You're in the place today where this is the issue. It's about you right now. You yourself are not recognizing and acknowledging that you are created in the image of God and that God is your owner. If that's where you're at today, you just need to acknowledge it. And you say, God, you're God. I was created for you, by you. My worth and value comes from you. Some of you are there today. Just acknowledge created by God for God. The second place some of you are at today is here. Does every person you interact with, would your interaction with them reveal their worth and their value? Would every person you interact with know their worth and their value by the way you interacted with them? In other words, do we have the correct view of humanity? That humanity is the crown jewel in God's creation. And so today, let's begin in our own hearts by acknowledging that we're created in the image of God. And then let's go out and reveal to others that they were created in the image of God by the way we interact with them. So I want to encourage you to close with kind of an invitation over the next four to five weeks as we just dive in together on this issue of people. It sounds simple right now, right? Everybody's created in the image of God, so love them. But what about someone who believes differently than you? 
How do you love them? What about someone who has hurt you? How do you love them? How do you interact with people in a way that reveals they're created in the image of God? It's going to get messy over the next couple of weeks. Here's my primary concern. And I mean this about our church. And I mean this about the church as large. I believe the number one threat to our church, the number one threat to our church is that we are so concerned about getting the rules right that we pass right over people. The number one concern of the evangelical church in America, I believe, is this, that we're so much on the rock saying, well, at least we got it right. We might be dying, but we got it right. It's not an, e- it's not an either or. It's, it's both. Being right, faithful to God's word, at the exact same time, what? Loving people. We can't put them at odds against each other. And we can't be on a position of pride that says, we've got it right. We have to go after both 100%, and it's messy. And that's why we've got to take time over the next four weeks to understand people and how we, as followers of Jesus Christ, seek to glorify God by loving, knowing engaging with people because people are created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. Let us pray. Everlasting God, oh, we are amazed at your creation. The beauty of the animals, the beauty of, of the mountains and the snow and the sun, the beauty of all of that creation, God, we are amazed. But in the midst of that amazement, God, we are overcome with joy for how you have created us, human beings. And so today we pray that you'd recapture our hearts, God, with the beauty of your creation, the beauty of humanity. This morning, God, I want to lift up and pray for anyone that's struggling with their view of themselves by the way they've been treated, by the way they've been raised, whatever it might be, God, I pray that you'd burden their heart today, that you'd burden their mind, that they are the crown jewel in your creation. And God, I pray now that you would mold our hearts, that you'd shape our hearts for people. Help us pursue your glory by pursuing people. And so we pray, God, this next week, that you'd allow each of us to reflect your glory and to treat others in a way that shows them they are glorious as well. So be with us, guide us, and use us in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.